faith amongst us. Thanks, guys, for leading us so well again tonight. Really do appreciate it. It's brilliant. Just before I launch into the ministry, we do have a little baby here amongst us. And uh, would I be allowed to just hold Rebecca for a moment? Would that be okay? I will try and not waken her up. I am well versed in holding and handling little babies. Look at little Rebecca. Isn't she wonderful? She is very precious. And it's great that Arnie and Alina are here with us. With Sarah and Christian, we've been praying for you. And we'll continue to pray for you. We pray the blessing of God to be upon Rebecca, hey? God would look after and take care of her. And God would look after and take care of her mom as well. In Jesus' name. Fantastic. Let me pass her back. See, I have the ability to uh, send babies to sleep and uh, keep them asleep and everything else. So, absolutely brilliant. I wonder if you've got a Bible, whether you turn with me to Nehemiah in chapter 6. We're concluding our series from the book of Nehemiah. Um, and uh, it's been a great series under the uh, title, the heading of uh, Bring on the Wall. And uh, we uh, are committed here at Arena Church to applying the scriptures to our everyday lives. And uh, certainly in the context of Nehemiah, we're not trying to build a physical wall. We're not just encouraging you to go down to, you know, Travis Perkins and go and get some blocks and go and get some timber and just start laying, you know, walls in Mansfield. I don't think Mansfield DC would be very happy with you doing that. Um, but we are trying to take the, 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 the scriptures and apply them to our everyday lives because we've made the reference before. I think most of us know the walls have come down in our society. The walls have come down in, in, in some of your lives, some of your homes, broken families, broken situations. And it just seems to be brokenness and decay around our lives. That's not me sitting in judgment. That's just a fact. And I want to tell you to, tonight that this church welcomes brokenness. We really welcome brokenness amongst us. We don't take delight in brokenness. But I want you to know whatever is broken in your life, you are very, very welcome here. This is a good place for you to be. We believe by the power of God's spirit, he takes what is broken. And if we allow him, he begins to work the potter's touch upon those broken pieces and put us back together to be the people that God wants us to be. Can I hear an amen? I want to tell you, I, I am a broken man. God is just doing something in me and trying to, as I surrender and submit more and more to Christ, he just takes those broken bits in my life and begins to work. I often use this phrase, and you all smile at me, work is magic. And I know it isn't his magic, but work is spirit in me. And he brings, brings me to the point where I become the, the person that he wants us to be. So we've been looking at Nehemiah. And uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter 6. As I say, it's been a great series. I know there's a few people here for the first time tonight. You can catch all the ministry on the podcast. It may be worthwhile. You, you're catching up with that. And uh, what we've been endeavouring to do is lay a foundation once again in the life of the church of what we're seeking by God's grace to uh, come about. So let's look at it, shall we? Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to read the first uh, four verses, and then we're just going to read the concluding verses of the chapter. When word came to Sambala, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, 
Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gate, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. They said, come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of honour. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to tell them this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should I stop the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. Just turn to verse 15. We'll make reference to the other verses. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid. And they lost their self confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. I want to just conclude this, the, the, the message and the series by just making some comments really. There's been some exceptional ministry that has been laid within us. But even at the very end of this uh, conclusion of this building project, we've read the verses that they were going to the very end to try and throw Nehemiah and the people off track. There are people who want to stop what God has started in you. You may say, me, in you. You're that important to God's kingdom that the enemy wants to stop what he has started in you. The purposes, the giftings, the abilities, the anointing, the things that God is wanting you to accomplish, there is an enemy at work that wants to stop what God has started. We must be committed to not only be starters, but also to be finishers in Jesus' name. I talk to a lot of very frustrated ladies. They're frustrated because their husbands take a DIY task and then months, years later, they are still waiting for that DIY work to be finished. Some of you are smiling at me. Some of you are nudging at this moment. Oh, there's a bit of nudging going on there, Russell and Lynn. There's a bit of argy-bargy going on. You see, we're good at starting, but God wants us to be people that finish. Philippians in chapter 1 and verse 6 says this, He who began a good work in you, that is talking about God, what he has started in in you, and it might not be great where you started from. You might have come from a real big bad background. You might have come from a lot of baggage, a lot of history. But he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. What he has started, he will complete. Are you hearing me? What he has started, he will finish. We need to be people who not only start something, but also finish the work. Phil alluded to it this morning in, in our Elkiston campus. There have been a number of people who've said to me personally, uh, God, uh, not God, you, you 
uh, we will never build a church in Mansfield. Real positive stuff. Real uplifting stuff. You'll be done and dusted in months. Well, 16 months on, we're still here. That, that isn't an arrogant statement. We're still here. We're still here. Nothing God can ever happen here. Okay, well, real encouragement again to us. But I just believe that what God whispers in our hearts, if we just walk humbly before him and just say, God, we need your spirit. Our dependency, our dependency is continually upon the Lord. And we're committed to what we've started we will bring to completion. I love that phrase, Magnus, Magnus. And what does he say? I've started, so I've finished. finished. He got that straight from God. I've started, <laughs> so I've finished. You look back at the book of beginnings. He started creation. Yeah. And then what happened? On the sixth day, he said, I have finished. I've completed. And now I will rest. So God will bring us into a day of rest once we finish what he has Started. Are you with me tonight? I really believe you are with me, actually. There's a great spirit and a great vibe. God is wanting us to take Nehemiah and the story of Nehemiah and begin to apply that to our lives. God started a work in some of you lives. I was thinking about you, Martin, in particular, just as you came in. I thought, you know, one of our first converts here in Arena Church Mansfield, what God started is going to bring to completion. It's going to be amazing. The amazingness of your disposition and your, your, the way you look at yourself, the way you stand is just completely different. If I can say the same with you, Angie, you came in initially, your head was down, you know, down on yourself, and now there's a vibrancy and there's just God at work. What God has started, he will bring to completion. You see, we're all a building work, aren't we? In pro- we're all a work in progress. And uh, some of us are a real work in progress. I put myself in that, in that position. But I want to raise tonight a finishing spirit in you. I want to raise a finishing spirit in you. I want to prophesy tonight God wants to raise a finishing spirit in you. Some of you feel like quitting. Some of you feel like giving up. Some of you feel like it's become too hard and you want to give in and you want to bow down. You want to lie down. Don't allow the devil, the enemy, the voices to just stop you. I want to raise a finishing spirit here tonight. I want to speak into your darkest hour tonight. And I want to declare breakthrough in Jesus' name. That darkest hour. You know when the psalmist says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you might feel like you're just going through that valley of darkness. In your darkest hour, in your darkest day, in your darkest moment, when you feel like it can't get any worse, I want to speak to you tonight and say, what God has started, he will Finish in Jesus' name. And he won't just finish with a bit of a whimper. Have we ever seen fireworks where you've had a big firework? There's just, and I'm not exaggerating, some big fireworks. And you just, with anticipation, you walk up to it. You're a bit nervous because you want to light them out. And if I'm on the fireworks, you need to be nervous. I did one and fireworks were firing at everybody in this thing. It was brilliant. The young people that I did... They loved it. Absolutely loved it. Neil, I have to have a confession to make. I set fire to the bush in Ilkeston many, many years ago with fireworks that were going up. The young 
people loved it. Oh, they thought it was great. It was fantastic. But there's fireworks that we can have there. And with great anticipation, we light the match. And what happens is this. You know, it's with a whimper. There's no bang and there's no explosion. And you may say, well, that's how my life's going to be. No, I'm telling you this much. If we're going to go, let's go with a bang. In Jesus' name. If we're going to go, let's go with a bang in Jesus' name. What God has started, let us believe for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. Neil's really worried of now. Now I've said that, he's thinking, what out all the confessions have I got to make? You know, I want to raise a finishing spirit. Now, we've read some verses here tonight. Because it is interesting that they're coming right to the close. You notice that... It basically says in verse 1 that it was, it was rebuilt, that rebuilt the wall, although the doors hadn't been put in. So the enemies had actually seen that this thing was nearly complete. But what happens when things are nearly complete? The enemy still begins to whisper negativity. It speaks failure. It speaks shame. It speaks all the things of our past. Some of you have got shameful pasts. I'm looking at myself as well. You won't want people knowing about. And God's forgotten those things. He has forgotten those things. So what happens? The enemy always comes when we're just about to step into something great. And he begins to whisper in our ears why there's no way we can enter into all the fullness of God. And this is what was happening here. Because the walls had been rebuilt, the doors hadn't been put in, and yet we see the enemy still at work. Trying to stop the fulfillment of what he had said to Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, there was a new approach actually. And the new approach was this. We're now going to attack the leader. We're not now going to attack the vision, we're now going to attack personally the leader. Lay a foundation here, a culture. Because if some people have got some things to say to leadership, there's a way to say it and there's a time and a place to say it. But as a whole, we want to encourage an openness, an openness and a submission and a respect to leadership. That's all. Not difficult. And we want to lay a foundation of, you know, just being empowering of the leadership. And I'm talking about myself here and Phil. Just, you know, a, a leadership that, that, that just seeks to build. But we see here, there was a group of people who begun to attack, not now the vision, they begun to attack the leader. You say, well, where are you coming from with this? Well, let me show you. Because let me just take you to verse 6. We see there that in verse uh, three and four, that they were sending a message, you know, stop the work. And he said, why should I stop? There's no way I'm going to stop. And four times they came to try to stop it. But then there were some things that began to happen. First of all, there were rumors. They were spreading rumors. Verse six, let's read it together, shall we? Because it says that, so this is what they begin to say. Um, verse five, then the fifth time, Sam Balance sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. So this is where he starts. It's reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are planning to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. 
These are rumours. Nehemiah never said anything about becoming the king. Nehemiah was never interested in setting himself up as something that he wasn't. All he had been mandated to be was the initiator, the visionary, the architect of building the walls and establishing Jerusalem again. That's all he was about. Go back to chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. Just run it through. But these guys, they were were just spreading rumours. New attack. We're going to come to a point where we're stepping into something. I want to tell you, but I really believe it, that God is bringing us into something here in, in, in Mansfield. I really do bringing us into something. And what's happened, what will happen is that often there's rumors. Be, who will be rumors about each other, about the leadership, about what we're about? And it's nonsense. The second thing is, there was deceit. Because from verse 10 through to 13, we see a man by the name of, oh, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, Shimei. That's the best you're going to get anyway. Verse 10. And basically, if you read from verse 10 verse through, through to 13, it begins to try and say to Nehemiah, come and meet me, I've got a word for you, God's spoken to me. And Nehemiah cuts to the chase, you see verse 12 He says, I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. Whoa! He's a hireling. He's not a real man of God. He's just been paid to to say something. What was they doing? The second uh, enemy tactic here in this particular Nehemiah 6 to really stop, because they were so close. It was attack against the leadership. Not only were there rumors, but now there's deceit. Trying to sow deceit amongst lies, amongst the camp. We have to watch how the enemy works. And thirdly, verse 17, there were false reports. Verse 17, we read there that the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. There were just letters going back and forth and back and forth. There were just false reports. False reports. It's very interesting, whatever, whatever church, prevailing church is doing something great for God, somebody has to say something and spread a false report about them. This spread a false report about their leadership, about their vision, about their ethos, about their values, about their families. I mean, some things are so ugly. The internet is a wonderful thing, but it's also a terrible thing as well. There's so much rubbish that they pour out about people. And actually some people that we've had contact with, that we know personally, and there's reports on the internet about them. And it's absolute garbage. It's untrue. But these people just determine to not make a report. There's been times when people have said things, if I can be as bold as this, about me and about Phil and about what we're about and about what this church is about. Even at the very beginnings of here, it was just false reports. There was no truth in it at all. And we made no response. Because sometimes you have to make a response, and then other times, you're better to make no response at all. And Nehemiah here was subject to rumors, deceit, and false reports. Now, he could have easily have said, and some of you have come so close, and then things have come against you. You've been so close to just breakthrough, and then these things have just knocked you off track. Let me say again, I prophesy into your future breakthrough in Jesus. Not only start, but finish in Jesus' name. 
And there are these things that can come into our lives and can stop us from fulfilling all that God has for us. So there was a new approach. But let me just remind you of a few things that we must do if we are going to be not only starters, but also finishers. Let's look, shall we, at what he did in Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 3, first of all. Because I see Nehemiah take four responses. First of all, he remained focused. Verse 3. Have you all got it in your Bibles? If you've not, I've got it. I'll read it for you. When they were, they were scheming to harm me, it said, so I sent messages to them with this reply. We've already read it. I'm carrying on a great project. And I cannot go down. Why should the work start while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. If we are going to be people that not only start but finish, we must remain focused. Now I know for some of you that's a bit difficult because you just get easily distracted. My school reports was always Easily distracted. And actually, I have to say, I've just carried that trait through to 40 years on. I am very, very easily, in in some ways, not easily influenced, there's a difference. Easily distracted. I'm just distracted. Some people just say I'm plain nosy, but I'm just looking at everything. I'm just soaking it all in. I'm just here, there, and everywhere. Caroline's talking to me. She says, you've just not heard a word that I've said. She frustrates because I then rattle off every bit of information. It's just, I love it when I do that. It's just brilliant. (laughs) I just love it. But we need to remain focused. Some of you, seriously, are not always keeping a sense of focus. You must understand that Not the devil himself, but I said at the very beginning, he just wants to throw you off track. Some of you here, he just wants to throw you off track. The decision that you've made for Jesus, he wants to throw you off track. We heard it, don't stop me now. Well, God started, he wants to throw you off track. Some of you are on a really good journey, you don't understand it all, there's many questions. But I'm telling you this much, remain focused. Remain focused to applying yourself to God's word. Remain focused in prayer. Remain focused in coming here on a Sunday night and just learning what you can and just absorbing what you can and asking as many questions as you can. But please remain focused. The second thing is, there was a determined response. Verse 8 and verse 9 and also verse 3 and verse 4. He says, four times they sent me the message and each time I told them the same. And verse eight and nine, I sent them this. Uh, verse eight and nine, I sent them this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They're all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for their work, and it will not be completed. I tell you what, Nehemiah was a determined. There was a determined response. There was. I tell you what, buddy, we'll go toe to toe and no to no, nose to nose on this thing. Because what God has started, I'm determined that we are going to complete in Jesus' name. There are some things that I just have to leave, and I'll just leave them. But Phil knows there are some things I will literally go toe to toe and no to nose for because there is a determined response. I believe we're in that season at the moment at Arena Church. We are contending for some things in Arena Church. We're contending for a culture of grace and mercy. We've been rolling out some cultural values that we are just contending for. I'll tell you this much, I will go toe to toe 
I'm nose to nose. I'm not being aggressive when I say that. But I am just committed to these things. We are committed to these things. There is a determined response to these things. If we will not have a determined response, then I'm not sure we'll finish particularly well. Thirdly, Nehemiah prayed for strength. Because how many of you know remaining focused and a determined response depletes you? When you feel like people are at you, are you, with, are you with me tonight? When you feel like people are at you and you're just having to stand like that, it can sometimes be very, very weary. It can sometimes be really difficult. Some of you have got kids here who are causing you all kinds of difficulties and it depletes you, doesn't it? It depletes you and just, oh my goodness. The only answer is prayer for strength. Let's read it, shall we? Verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us. They said their hands will get too weak for the work. It will not be completed. But I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. Marnie, just give me your hands. Now strengthen my hands. These hands that are going to get weak, strengthen. That's what he was basically saying. God, I'm lifting my hands to you. And I need you to strengthen these hands. I need you to strengthen them in Jesus' name that I will finish the work. You got the picture in your mind? I've never thought of myself as God. But just visualize me as God now. I feel quite important now. I am joking. But God just getting a hold of your hands. And just strengthening your hands in Jesus' name. Some of you tonight need your hands strengthening. Some of you feel weak, don't you? And just a bit feeble and a bit weary. God wants to come and strengthen your hands. Nehemiah prayed for strength. You know when you're in that dark hour... You know where you need to turn? It's to God. Just call on God. If the greatest prayer that you can pray is a a one word prayer, help, he hears the cry of our prayers and he will help us. But what else does it take to finish? Not only a, a focus or a determined response or a prayer for strength, but also there was a wisdom, there was a discernment. You see, I've already made mention of it, but this self-proclaimed prophet, Nehemiah was able to cut to the chase and cut through all the you-know-what manure and just get right right to the heart of it and say, actually, this guy isn't carrying a word from God. He's just a hireling. He's just been paid to do it. There was a, there was a discernment. You know, if we're going to be people that finish... You know, there's all, kinds of, there's all kinds of things that will stop you. And there's also, also some many people, well-meaning people who will try and stop you as well. They'll give you every reason why this won't work. Again, I'd just come back to here. I'm just thinking of somebody, when I said to them we were going to do it, they were well-meaning. They were, they, were, they were actually Christian people, but they gave me every reason why I shouldn't do it, why we shouldn't do it. So what did we have to apply? We had to apply some discernment and some wisdom and say, God, we really believe that you're leading us into this. So we're going to go with what you've said and not what some well-meaning people, person says. Are you hearing me tonight? These are some responses that Nehemiah made to it. Now, let's get to it, verse 15, because there's just... I want to just finish off with a few things, and I know my time's nearly gone. 
But verse 15, so we've gone through the whole point of starting and finishing and how the enemy comes in his tactics. We've talked about how Nehemiah applied himself in these last few days to get the job done. And then verse 15, it says this. So the war was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're all theologians here and we all have an understanding of it. But let me just paint you a picture. The walls that they were building, they weren't able to call on Travis Perkins or Wicks to come and bring all the material down. The ballast and the cement and the timber and the blocks and the bricks. They weren't able to call on a group of subbies to come and labour for them and ground workers. They had no JCBs, they had no tractors. They had no cranes, they had no lorries, they were reliant on manpower, manpower, okay? Not only did they have to build it, they had to get the materials on site as well. So this is a big deal because what actually happened in 52 days? To be precise, seven weeks and three days. Let me tell you what happened. First of all, They rebuilt one and a half mile of wall. One and a half mile of wall. And many of them weren't brickies by trade. One and a half mile of wall. That's a long way. Where would we go from here to one and a half mile? Would we be at Plesley? I think we'd probably be at Plesley, wouldn't we, from here to, or from here to, was that too far? Have I? Really? So where am I going? One and a half mile from here. Kings Mill. Oh, I thought it'd be further than that. Okay. It's a bit disappointing to me. From here to Kings Mill. Now, when we talk about building a wall, we're talking about building a wall. We ain't just talking about a single wall here. We're talking about building a wall that would stop people from getting in the wall. So it's, it's you know, where there was houses in the wall. You know how you see the Robin Hood films? and that's what, it was, that's what they were building. They were building something significant. Do you think they were building a six-foot wall? I don't know how high it was because we have no dimensions, but this was a significant wall that they were building. Now, if it was just for the wall, you may say, okay, 52 days, that's fine. I mean, it is remarkable because you only need a little bit of road that they've got to do, and the Mansfield DC take about 10 months to do a little bit of... There's nobody from Mansfield, D.C. here, is there? Okay. I'm going to be in trouble now. Okay. I understand there is major implications in in some of those things. (coughs) Let me continue. One and a half mile of wall. What else were there? Well, there were ten gates... And there were six towers. There were six towers positioned around the, wall, around the walls. Why am I saying all this to you? This was a significant deal that these guys had undertaken. Mission accomplished. And it came about, I really believe, just to recap over the whole series, there were three significant things that happened. First of all, one that we have no control over. And if you've got a pen and paper, I want to give them to you. There's no control over, but we all have it over our lives. We just don't tap into it enough. 
And it's called God's favour. God's favour is over your life. Do you know that? God's favour is over your life. God's wanting to favour your life. He really does. I mentioned it yesterday. I just, it's just in me at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I did it here four or five weeks ago. That goodness and mercy are following us, pursuing us all the days of our life. God's favour and mercy and love and goodness are pursuing you and me all the days of our life. I actually talk about God's favour as don't leave home without it. We can't earn it, we can't buy it, we can only receive it. But Nehemiah, to really, and the people, to get it to the point of mission accomplished, understood the favour that needed to be on their life. And in chapter 2, we talk about, he talks about the favour that was bestowed to him from the king. It just gave him safe passage, it gave all the timber that he needed, it just helped him along the way. And we need favour upon our lives. Blessing, grace, success, prosperity over our lives. But the two things that, we, that, that Nehemiah did have control over, and I just want to finish off with these things very quickly, is this. To get us to the point in 52 days where they actually started and finished and did what they set out to do, there was God's favour, but there was also two other significant things. First of all, there was good leadership. There was good leadership. And the second thing was, there was the cooperation of the people. Now those two things have to work hand in hand. You can have the best leadership in the world, but if you've not got the cooperation of the people, you're never going to accomplish anything. Could you imagine how long it would have taken Nehemiah to have rebuilt the walls on his own? My goodness, he'd still be doing it now. It'd be immense. But there was good leadership that Nehemiah possessed. God gave him wisdom. God gave him discernment. God gave him strategy. God gave him understanding. He was touched by God. He had a persistence. He had a plan, a strategy. He reviewed the situation. He had an ability to inspire and encourage and empower the people. He remained strong in conflict and he addressed issues quickly. These are all good things that a good leader has. And there was good leadership that came from Nehemiah. That is why many, many people today in the church cite Nehemiah as a classic leader in the Bible. They really do. But the second thing is, and these things that we have to work on, and leaders in the church have to work on these things. And by God's grace again, we seek to give ourselves to leadership to become better. When you hear about us going to a leadership conference, we're not just going on a jolly. We're trying to get better. When we're meeting with other leaders, why do we bring other leaders, more experienced, heavyweight leaders? And I want to tell you tonight, you've had some seriously significant leaders, not just Phil and I, but other significant leaders come into the life of this church. Significant worldwide ministries. That we brought in. Why do we do that? Because we want you to be better. And we want to get better as well. We recognize that God leadership is so important in the church. That brings me to my second thing. We need the cooperation of the people. Who's the people? Us guys. You know, we, we turn up every week. I have no idea who's going to turn up. 
I have no idea. I mean, I hope the worship band are here because we've said, would you play for us tonight? But we have no idea who's going to turn up. You guys come freely tonight. There's not a ball and chain on you. There's not a a whip on you. There's There's not a contract on you. You've not signed in. It's all freely. It's all freely that you come. So we need the cooperation of the people. But that's fine turning up. Anybody can turn up if I can be as blunt as that. But to actually get people engaged and to use a phrase that we've heard, and in the game, then that's a different thing altogether. And Nehemiah had the cooperation of the people. You're not falling asleep, have you guys? You look like you have. Just nudge the person. Literally nudge them at the side to make sure they're not. Because this is so important. This is where we all get to play our part. Because it's no good as looking about as mission accomplished and bring on the wall and rebuilding the walls and working through all that stuff. If we don't understand where does it fall down. The thing where it falls down in church life or in in churches starting and finishing is at this particular point. This is the tipping point. This is the point of all points when we get the cooperation of the people. Where the people say, this is good to God and this is good to us. And we are going to give our lives to this. There is a lighting of a fire in the hearts of people. They say, this work that you started, let us start, let us start rebuilding. And that's what they said in Nehemiah in chapter 2. Let us start rebuilding. There was a cooperation. There was a giving of their time. There was a giving of their skills. There was a giving of their energy. There was a giving of their resource to say, you know what? We're going to rebuild the walls in Jesus' name. So we need God's favor. We need good leadership. But we need the cooperation of you, the people. I actually really do believe that we have the cooperation of you guys here tonight. We're not just flowering it it up and being a bit flouncy and all the rest of it, airy-fairy. We'll say it as it is. I absolutely love coming here on a Sunday night. I absolutely love you guys. I think you're well up for the challenge. I actually think the more difficult it becomes, I think some of you are going to thrive because I think you're up for a challenge. I really do. And I think that's part of the disposition of where you've been raised and where you've come from. The more difficult it becomes, I think the more we're going to push through in Jesus' name. Anybody with me tonight? I really do. And I really believe that God is wanting us to rebuild our walls in Jesus' name. So, bring on the wall. Bring on the wall in Jesus' name. And we will see God do amazing things. We read this at the beginning. Let me finish it with you. So the wall was completed on the 25th in 52 days when all our enemies heard about this. All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. After all that I've said tonight, we recognize this is God's church. This is God's work. This is God's kingdom. 
we just so happen to play a part at this point in history in his church. But I want to encourage us tonight to let's not just be starters, but let's be finishers. And I ask you, I really ask you, to continue to give yourself to God and to his church here. Because we're going to see amazing things as we give ourselves and cooperate with God and one another. I wonder if we'd bow our heads.